yeah, that failure thing is like, it's going to happen, but you're going to learn through the process of failure. Like I remember when I first started managing him, like we did a show New Year's Eve and it was terrible. Like it was, it was like this dope, dope venue, but like just the logistics of it was terrible. And like, it just fell through and like, he was just so upset, so distraught. He was just like, bro, we can't put our name on these type of things and they fall through like that. And it was just like, you're right. Like that was an idea I thought was gonna be great and it wasn't. And so like, we got to go back to the drawing board and like, we went back and we learned our mistakes from it and what it was and like, then we were able to build on it. And it's just like, yeah, if you don't take those L's, you won't get to the W. If you don't take those hard lessons, you won't be able to give a great presentation. Welcome to the Path Distilled. I'm your host, Kevin Harris. My co-host is Lauren Tashman. Hi, everybody. And today we have Justin Causey. He's a Nashville hip-hop manager and entrepreneur, and uh, we're so excited to talk to him today. How you doing, Justin? Man, I'm good. Thank you guys for having me on. Of course. Uh, so tell us a little bit, uh, I alluded to entrepreneur and uh, involved in the hip-hop scene. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what you do, and then we'll go back to the beginning of your stories. Yeah, um, so I kind of like call it a creative executive is kind of like the term I've coined for myself. Um, basically, I help artists within the city basically manage their day to day operations. Um, and then I also kind of help brands, uh, kind of like a creative director, but also kind of helping them with their shoots and their product development and really just kind of creative ideas to help them broaden their brand. So uh, kind of like a consultant, like a creative consultant, if you will, or somebody that just is all around hands-on in a way to like help you get your ideas to come to life. Nice. And so take us back to how you got involved in those early days. How did you uh, get started doing this? Um, so it kind of just has always been around. Like I went, I came to Nashville in 2010 for school and I went to TSU, marched in the band, played drums. So I've always been musical. Um, that's my background. But um, I went to school for physical therapy. And then I actually changed my major probably like the last semester or last year to like leadership and development or something or like some crazy odd create your own uh, degree thing. Um, but it just got to a point where I was just like, yeah, I'm doing so much more in like the creative scene here because of like the friends that I met. And then I was doing a lot of open mic events and like hosting those in the city and like really just tapping in with the artistic side and the circle that I was building of friends were people that just like to do creative things and like creative events. So um, I wanted to put on this festival in Nashville called Freedom Fest. I wanted to do kind of like the first Bonnaroo for Nashville, but I wanted it to be local acts. Mm. So it was all people that I knew, people that were coming through and doing the open mics, the ciphers and things like that. And so a friend of mine that I used to work at Nike with during college, his um, name is Mike. He's one of the co-managers of Black City Management with me. He was like, yo, I got a younger brother that, you know, does music because we would always change music while we were at work. I was the first person that got him on Joey Badass and like people like that. And he was like, yo, I got this little brother that raps. You should come by and check him out. And I'd be like, yeah, all right, bet. Let, let me do that. And I never actually got to come by or like it always be in passing. And then when we started planning the event, he was like, yo, my little brother should close it out. And I was like, all right, bet, let's do it. So his brother happened to be the black son and he closed out the festival. And I had an after party at my apartment and him and his brother came and we were walking into my apartment and he was just like, hey, cause like, I'm just gonna ask you something and just like say yes. And I was like, what? He was like, just say yes. And I was like, yes. And he was like, you wanna be my manager? And I was just like, oh, all right. So like five years ago, that little, encounters turned into this and it went from like us figuring it out and like I moved out of my apartment and moved into his house with his mom and his brother and like it was the four of us living in there for like a year and like we started building the relationship and like started building just like the routine of like what his brand and his life was going to be because like they've already had it set out but they brought me on to be his day-to-day hands-on manager so like we started working out and like getting more fit and more healthy and like he's dropped weight to where he is now and like playing basketball and like really just overall healthy living and like just like 
life and betterment, I guess you could say. So it went to that, to where we are now, five years later, managing him and then a roster of other artists that have come on that are also friends, but have just seen what we've done with him and are just like, yo, I want you to represent me. Or like, all right, Kazi, you're my manager. Or like, I'm going under Black City now because we're all family at the end of the day. And they're like, I want to be represented by family. So like, that's kind of how it's happened. So was did you get a lot of attention or attraction during that? You said it was about five years ago that you started putting on the shows yourself? Um, that, I guess it was kind of like small attraction, you know, because it was never really big scale, like not to the point of like, big name headers or like um circuit tours things like that but it was more of just like for the community you know so people can know that these things were going on in the city of nashville because like everybody's like you know i don't know anything local that's going on because at that point i was in school and everybody was talking about there was nothing to do on campus or nothing to do around the campus area so i was like we have a park right down the street from campus why not throw a festival where it's arts and you know painting and live music and vendors like why not do it down the street and people can just walk down and hang out for the day so like I did that two years in a row with me and my team Mike and then Black was a part of it and then we had a couple other volunteers that helped with us and like we did that for two years but every year it would rain out and then we were just like all right cool let's try something else and so um, we started branching out and doing other little events and other little fun things just for fun. Are you a sorry go ahead Lauren. <laughs> she had a question. I'm curious because you mentioned that you moved to Nashville for school. Where did you grow up and what led you to want to go to school there and pursue uh, physical therapy? So I was born in Columbus, Ohio. And so I was born in Columbus, Ohio. And then I lived in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for like a couple years, like elementary to middle school. And then I moved back to Columbus. And so um, while living in Ohio, my mom, well, basically growing up, my mom is um, in healthcare. So she is a nursing home administrator. So I've been around the healthcare industry my entire life. And my mom has always said like, you're a very like people person, you're very knowledgeable, you're very personable. And I've always been a head, not like a head freak, but I've always been a person that like enjoys the body and like learns about functionality and like how to really, like how to really take care of your body with like no medicine or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm really into daily stretching. I'm into Tai Chi. I'm into like all of that healthy living. And my mom was like, you know, you should get into something that you like in the healthcare field because automatically you can get a job out of college. You can go take care of yourself. That's what she was always about. Take care mm -hmm. of yourself, get a job. And so I do skateboarding and BMXing. I was a rocket power kid and I wanted to do, physical therapy for extreme sports like I wanted to be the doctor that patched up x game athletes and like professional skateboarders and like you know they hurt themselves they came came to my shop my clinic and we took care of them and all that but then um it got to a point where I was just kind of like I could do this like it was really really I did internships all of that it was cool but then I was just like I'm not in the schooling field like I don't care about everything else I only care about you know, really helping people and like really being hands-on. And then me doing all the other things in the art field, that just translated. And then when they got to college, they were like, okay, you have all your credits, but you can't graduate with this major. And I was like, so what's the point? Like, what am I doing here? <laughs> and they were just like, well, you can do it. You can create your own major if you want. And it was like independent studies or whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. And then it got to a point where I was just like, yeah, I'm done. Like, there's nothing else you guys got for me. I'm done here. So I just finished school and then five, well, I'm going on being in Nashville 10 years this year, 10 years later, I was nominated for Tennessee State's 40 under 40. So I was just like, wow. I, I didn't finish school, but I got, you know, one of their highest honors for sneaker design and entrepreneurship. So I'll take it. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll bring up that, that photo since you just mentioned it. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. So in November of 2019, I designed um, sneakers for Nike, uh, basically Air Max 95, as you can see in that photo. But I did it uh, through a program called We Are Cultivator. They reached out to me through Instagram, and it was a um, overall theme about inspiration. And it asked us, if you could design a shoe for somebody who inspires you, who would it be? 
and I picked one of my friends who also is uh, one of my co-workers in this industry I guess you could say um, she is her name is Delisha Davis and she is an artist manager she is an entrepreneur she is a, an event planner event coordinator she does everything in the city that you can think of that has to do with music or social change or like really pushing entertainment and local artistry she has her finger in it and she's been doing it she has a music blog entertainment blog called two L's on the cloud and that's what the sneaker is based off of um so nike hit me and they were just like we want to know if you're interested which of course i was because i used to work for nike in college and that's what i wanted to do um and it started probably in like maybe early august or a month before and they were just like they hit me in my dms because i was working for enterprise at the time and when i did the uh when i did the application, I didn't think about it. They just basically were like, who inspires you in 150 words? And I sent it off. And then a month later, they DM me and was just like, your design is due on Wednesday. And it was a Monday. <laughs> so like, I was, sitting, I was sitting in a rental car at Enterprise and I was just like, oh, snap. So like, I checked my email and then they gave me this long list and they were just like, here are the five models that you get to choose from. You need to design it and it needs to be delivered by Monday. And I, I mean, by Wednesday. And so I just sat in a rental car and I got designed to shoot in 15 minutes and sent it off. And so um, basically I kept thinking that it was like a fluke, if you will, because I was just like, oh man, if this is what's going on, like then maybe it's like rounds, maybe somebody's gonna tell me, okay, maybe not this time. But like when they started sending me paperwork and was like, these things need to get changed. We can't use liability. We can't use her likeness or her name you know, like her logo, that's when it started getting real for me because they were like, we need her to sign off on this. We need you to sign off on this. Like we need attorneys to look at it. And I was like, okay, bet we might be getting somewhere. And then um, I was out at a performance with Black Sun and they sent me an email and they are like, congratulations, your design has been approved. You can order your promo shoot. And so like, I kind of freaked out, but I kind of like froze and was just like, okay, this might be real, like this is really happening. And then when the shoes came to the house, I was just like, oh snap, this is real. And like Black was in the living room with me and like we kind of just freaked out and looked at the box. And then I FaceTimed my mom and she was just like, wow. <laughs> and then it turned into like, okay, bet now you have a month to figure out your promo, your, your marketing and everything with no budget. So like they gave me the whole thing hands on. And then that's when I reached out to the community again, my friends, to be like, hey, look, I got this opportunity to drop a shoe. I want to know if you guys are going to help me push it. And they're like, yeah, I got friends that own the store Rooted, where it's at. They worked with me at Nike and back in the day. And they're like, hey, I want to open a shoe store one day. They did it. And so I came to them and were like, hey, I want to do a sneaker event here. And they're like, we got you as long as we can put the shoes on display. I was like, absolutely. And then I reached out. Um, to my friends Gotti who John Gotti who's like a mentor he's a, a writer and educator uh, my friend Ivo who is another event planner and a sneakerhead and then Delisha of course and then we have just like a sit-down panel discussion about music hip-hop and sneakers and you know what their influences are and then I had everybody come out and I had um like stenciled Air Max 95 and Nike signs out with color pencils so people can design their own and color them and take them home. And um, yeah, it was a really cool night. That was one of those nights where I was just like, I didn't know this many people messed with me or like supported me. And then people came out and they were like, no, you did something really, really major for the city. And like, I never thought that I would witness this being from here. So like you did it and you put spotlight on the city of Nashville and you put spotlight on a black woman. So like you did something I never think would happen. So I just appreciate that. Yeah. It's a really cool story. Very cool. Now, first of all, that was interesting that uh, Nike ended up in your DMs. Usually <laughs> it's the other way around, right? Yeah, usually. And the other question I had, or the, I guess the first question about that, do you think that the creativity was greater, perhaps because you were on such a short time frame? Um, yeah, and it's also, I prepared for that moment because I was a kid in high school and middle school on Nike ID, just making shoes and never buying them. Okay. So, like, I just always knew how to, like, I always knew the type of shoes I wanted to make. And 
when they told me I could pick the color scheme it was based off of, I was just like, all right, bet. Because the logo for Two L's on the Cloud is sky blue and white, and it's a two and like a, it's like a two and then like little L's. And so I took it and basically just flipped it and inverted it. Like I made the shoe that you saw got made and produced, which is the all upper powder blue with the white bottom. And then I flipped it and made it an all white upper with a powder blue bottom. But I'm glad I went with the original because in the drop, there was a couple other people and they did the same design with the same kind of cloudy aspect, but their execution wasn't as great as mine. So the way mine's worked out was just like, nah, the sky blue, it was like you're sitting on a pair of clouds, like you're walking on it. And the advertisement for it was all done by black women. Like they helped me bring it to life. So like my friend Erica, she did all the advertisement for it, made it look like retro Nike style, cause that's what I wanted to do. Retro Nike advertisements. Cause like, again, working for Nike, they told us all their key points on selling. And it's about brand identity and it's about having a story to connect your, your customer to the shoe product. And then it's about really selling the product. So that's what I went for. Did you get to keep your own personal pair? Do you have Yeah, and actually I didn't like, I never planned on buying the shoes. So that's another crazy story is like, <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't gonna buy the shoes for myself because just the idea of getting to design a shoe for Nike and then getting to honor one of my friends was enough for me. Like, I'm like, cool, bet. I did what I said I wanted to do, on to the next thing. But like that night at the event, I told that story. The free pair that I got, I gave to Delisha in her size because they're for her. I can't fit those. And so um, <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute, you didn't get at least a free pair? <laughs> yeah, like the free pair that I got to order, I gave to her. I was like, these are yours. I made them for you here. And so one of our mutual friends overheard that in the story and she was just like, oh no. She went ahead, ordered me a pair and sent them to me. And she was just like, they'll be there when they come. And I was like, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Like I wasn't even going to get them. And then my mom surprisingly got me a pair because my birthday's in November. So she was just like, here, I bought you a I bought you your birthday gift, your own shoes. And I was just like, oh man. So I actually got two pairs of my own shoes <laughs> in my collection and I only wear one and they're in the box. And then the other pair, I got Delisha to sign the box and I'm just going to hold on to those. That's cool. Because I was going to say, if you wear the, you wore your only pair, eventually you're going to wear them out, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, only wear them, I only wear them a couple times. Every once in a while, I bring them out, but I keep them in the box. And you mentioned uh, you were one of the 40 under 40. I don't tell a lot of people, but I was one of the 250 over 250. <laughs> hey, that's an accomplishment right there, no matter what. Yeah. I guess I better clarify I'm kidding since people can necessarily see me, but... Um, so as you're going back to the the trajectory, when you were working originally, with, and you said you started getting a, a team was growing, uh, what was the, what were those early days like? Was it Man, a struggle? Was, it wasn't necessarily a struggle. It's like what I've learned over the past five years working with artists is like it's just constant and open communication because you guys have to be on the same page for what they want to deliver, and then you have to understand how they move and maneuver so that way you can't overbear them or you can't overstress them so what i've learned is the first year with me and him and like our relationship was like a lot of maybe like the first two years or so was like a lot of research and development of like me not knowing anything to do with music management artist management not shit, and then like him not really knowing how to maneuver having somebody who's always available to him 24 7 because like he had his older brother but his older brother was like that's not my role like I'm not somebody who's gonna babysit you or like tell you where to be somewhere all the time like I handle the business so the first year when we like lived together I lived out in the house with him and his mom and everybody and like I would sit at the kitchen table and I would just watch YouTube videos all day like YouTube videos of like any music management or artist management doing a YouTube interview or like any artist talking about his management team or like I'd watch constant Elliot Wilson rap radar interviews. Like I would do anything to like sit and soak up as much information as I could about managing an artist or working with an artist. And then I was reading um, everything you need to know about the music business. And like, I just finished that the new edition yesterday and like really just learning and understanding, okay, bet, what can I offer? Like, what can I help 
him be a better person. And then with him, it would be like, all you do is sit there on YouTube all day. Like, what are you doing? Like, I need help. I need you to send emails. I need you to do this. And then that'd be like, okay, bet. And then like, now we're at a point where me sitting and like watching YouTube videos and understanding things of like, learn me how to really tinker and like really understand situations with him. And then like, I've learned his recording process and how it is like, I don't need to be in the studio with him 24 seven, even though my room is right above his studio. So it's like, I hear what he's working on, but I know when he's prepared to tell me or present it to me, he'll present it to me in like a full product and be like, this is what I got. This is the song. This is what I see. And like, this is what I work on. Like he hit me today and was just like, Hey, what are you doing later? And I'm like, I got these things to do. He's like, okay, well I want to shoot at like six o'clock I'm like all right bet we can make that happen so like it's just the constant communication of being like hey this is what I want to do this is what I want to get out and then we work towards it and then with everybody else that was like again our friend group people coming together when we were living in his mom's house his room was also the studio so like he had his bed right next to the desk where it was the studio monitor speakers and so it'd be like three or four people moving in and out of his room working on music or sitting in the living room in the kitchen, like working on other creative products. And um, that's when like Josephine, our producer came around and he was sewing and making clothes in the living room on a sewing machine. And then he started saying, you know what, I'm gonna start learning how to make beats. And then like, he started sitting and learning how to make beats and five years now, five years later, he's like one of the main premier names in like Nashville hip hop for production. And then like Romar Quez would be there hanging out and sitting down making music and working together and then they just be moving back and forth moving back and forth and then it got to a point where it was like hey man i need my room back (laughs) (laughs) there was so much overcrowding space he was like i need my room back i need to be able to sleep and we moved the studio out from there and then they got a studio space down in diamond by metro center and then they started growing in there and then um i disappeared for like six months because i got into a really crazy car accident and then um we came back we got a house and then we moved everything here into the house and then it just started flourishing and so we've had a a full studio downstairs and everybody's come around and it's just been like no this is what we're working towards this is what we're pushing and so it's been like a really really fun experience and um it's been really fun to kind of like just witness it because i'm really big on pictures and videos so like I got pictures from back in the day when we started to like where we are now. And it's just really fun to witness it. And so do you think that additional space kind of helped the creativity flow? Yes, it did. Cause um, everybody has their own space. Now everybody has their own room to do what they need to do. And like the garage, what was funny is when we moved in here, we told the uh, realtor, like the leasing lady, we were just like, she was like, yeah, you guys have a garage. You can fit two cars in here. And we were like, we're not putting cars in here. And she was like, what? And we're like, yeah, we're going to turn it into a studio. She was like, oh, you guys make music. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. And so our house and our neighborhood is like the music house. Like they know that they're rappers and they're artists. And we've been here for three years and everybody be walking through the neighborhood and we'll have the garage door up and music will be playing and they'll just be waving, enjoying it. And like, they've had no problems with it. They love it. And like, we've been able to really switch the house around at times because like the room that I'm in now, my room, it used to be a studio room. It used to be a theater room. And then we turned it into a studio and they worked out of here for like a winter when it got too cold in the garage. And then we had another room that we turned into a studio. Like one day we did kind of like a Dreamville uh, session that they did. We had like a whole weekend where we did lock-in sessions with everybody in the city and built like three different studios in the house. And there's a studio in the living room, in the garage, upstairs, and then another room. And it was just people working and running around all over the place. I noticed with uh, the Black Sun's video, his the production quality is really high. Who's in charge of the, the, the animation and some of the film crew? Man, so a lot of the filming is him and myself and, like, just our friend group. You know, um, if it's anything that says country cousins is usually Josephine and Ro, like working together, collaborating, or sometimes it's just Josephine getting camera work. But um, if it's anything that's like free lunch, that's him and myself 
as a creative tandem, kind of like just going out and shooting. So like he'll have an idea and he'll be like, all right, I want to shoot something and I'll just hold the camera and then we'll just work it out like that. And I'll be the cameraman and he'll direct or like I'll throw an idea at him and then he'll go with it. And then he'll sit down and lock himself in the garage and edit it and do everything himself. And then he'll present it. But um, when it comes to like the animations and some things, that's outsourcing. And that's usually like reaching out to other artists or people and collaborating with them and then um, really pushing it like uh, his fresh air cover was a guy named Baudet, I do believe. And then like a couple other like cover arts are done by outside people. And then um, sometimes he gets into his bag and makes some cover arts that are just real simplistic that can go ahead and get his point across. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we're really hands-on here. <laughs> it's, a, it's awesome. I, I'm actually sitting here going like, you're such a better entrepreneur than I am. Uh, <laughs> but it's slightly different industries, so I don't feel too bad. But um, no, the one thing I wanted to ask about is you talked like what, kind of way back now about when you first got asked to be his manager, that you were asked to just say yes before you even knew what mm -hmm. the answer was. And then I've also picked up on a phrase, I hope it's okay, I'm gonna steal for myself. You consistently, you constantly use the phrasing of like, okay, bet. Oh, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and this idea of like saying yes to things? Because it seems like that you really do that a lot. Yeah, so it's that. And then I have another little saying um, called keep growing. Um, that's like one of my mantras in life. But so saying yes to him, asking me something is just kind of like my overall confidence in life. Just be like, all right, yeah, what you got for me? And then. I'll move based on what it is. Like, I'm just already ready, like get, like, get it, let's go. I'm about action. So with him asking me that day, I guess he, cause he told me this recently, which I feel like he never did is like, it, that day was kind of like a test, you know, like in his head, he was looking for a manager. And then the way that I was moving and things like that proved to him that like, okay, bet this is somebody that I can rely on and I can work with and like understands me. And I'm like, all right, cool. So when he moved off of that and told me, hey, just say yes, it's like, all right, I already kind of have this small little relationship with him for this day. Like, I'm confident on what it is. All right, yes, what is it? Will you be my manager? Oh, yeah, cool. And then, <laughs> like, okay, bet is just something, I guess, which is down south vernacular, which bet is just like, okay, yeah, good. Or, like, I heard you, I understand. So that's something we say here with us is just like, bet, got it, done, deal. And so it's real small, real short. Somebody can text you and be like, hey, can you pick me up at so-and-so? Bet. That's it. And so, uh, yeah, those. And then keep growing is my mantra. I got little uh, keychains and little stickers. And so um, keep growing is one. Where Sunflower is my favorite flower. Yeah. <laughs> and like keep growing is one of my mantras where it's basically just like, every day is a new day to grow and learn. And then every day is a new day to go ahead and like tackle the obstacles in front of you. So it's just like, no matter what, don't stop growing because at the end of the day, you're gonna be able to look back and be like, dang, look where I came from. Look what I did in that amount of time. So that's one thing I've been saying to myself for years. And then I kind of turned it into a little brand and I've just been recently selling stickers and keychains. And then um, I got coffee mugs in product development now. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so just little little mantras to myself that I say and then um, things that the squad say that we push each other for. So we're all about like culture, like cultivating culture and communities and relationships and things like that. And I have a comment and then a question on that. Um, the, when you tell the story of him asking you to be your manager, you know, the TV show Atlanta, mm -hmm. when uh, Donald Glover's character, he gets asked to be the manager and then uh, it reminded me of that because when you said um, I forgot the other character's name but he was uh, unhappy Paper with Boy. him and you said yeah Paperboy and he uh, <laughs> he said uh, he t told you you're watching YouTube videos all day that's pretty yeah. similar to that episode where they got into it <laughs> nah man and see like and that's what it is about like artist management is like it's about relationships so like me and him have butted heads multiple times but when we butt heads, it's all about communication and clarity. So like we'll butt heads and then probably not talk for like three days to a week. 
and like he'll just do what he does i'll do what i do and then like we'll come back and then like we'll sit down and be like all right so like you see why i responded in that way or like you see how this is what i felt about that way and be like i need this from you or like i need you to do this or we need to do this and like we'll start to come together and like really cultivate it so like when we butt heads it's always in a like okay maybe we've been working a little bit too close together let's break up let's do our thing and then come back and be like all right this is what we can do to move better so like that was a period in time where it was just like i'm frustrated with him because he's trying to learn how to work with me and like i'm trying to learn how to work with him so it was like really figuring it out how we can work together and what makes it even crazy is our birthdays are a day apart so we're like the same person just different (laughs) there's a good and a bad to that yeah 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 (laughs) Um, so the other part i had a question about was uh you mentioned the keep growing or whatever is that the catchphrase keep growing yeah keep growing Mm -hmm. yeah um where did you develop that mantra was it something you've always had or was it not necessarily the phrase but just that idea um i guess it's something that i've kind of it's always been with me you know um just going through life and it's always been something i've said to me like keep going keep growing keep pushing um like i got a little skateboard tat on me that says keep pushing um so it's always been like that kind of variation of it but i think when i formulated that idea for real like i said it was after my like car accident like i got into a really really crazy car accident um in Atlanta three years ago. It was with a family reunion and I broke my foot and ankle in two places, all the wild shit. But I was out for six months. I was away from everybody. I was recovering in North Carolina and I wasn't doing anything music related. Like, and I kind of felt, you know, I kind of had like a short little just like depression period. Cause I'm like, I'm not able to move how I usually am. I'm not able to be of service to my friends and my people. So I was like, okay, I got to push through this a little bit more. And during the time, I was doing that my mom was also going through like hip surgery so like we both were like laid out in the bed in the house and so like I was being supportive for her and like helping her out and like changing you know her surgery bandages all that stuff but it got to the point where it was just like all right bet keep growing keep pushing because at the end of the day you're going to look back again at how far you came so like that's where I would be sitting in the living room and I do my own physical therapy because I went to school for physical therapy. So like <laughs> I'd sit in school, I sit in the living room, do my own physical therapy, get my leg back. And then like the doctors would tell me, yo, your progression is way better or way faster than like anybody we've seen. So like keep pushing, keep going. And I'd be like, yeah, keep growing. And they'd be like, exactly, keep growing. And so it would just be these mantras I keep saying to me, keep going. And then it got to the point where they're like, yeah, you can get rid of, you know, your crutches, you can get rid of the boot, all that, and you can start walking again. So the guys picked me up in January, and the accident happened in August. The guys picked me up in January, brought me back to Nashville, and I was moving really, really slow because I couldn't, like, really walk as fast as possible. And, like, they'd be like, yo, should we slow down? Are we doing too much for you? I'm like, nah, keep moving. That's going to help me get back into the swing of things. So then once it finally got going, we started riding bikes and I started playing basketball and I started like really getting the stride back. And like, they'd be like, hold on. Like, I can't even remember which leg you broke. I don't even know. You don't even <laughs> look like you were in a car accident or nothing. And I'd be like, yeah. And they'd be like, man, you really bounced back. And I'd be like, yeah, man, you know, just keep growing every single day. And then when I formulated the brand, sunflowers have always been one of my favorite, like one of my favorite flowers and it's sunflowers and roses. And with sunflowers, sunflowers always grow towards the sun and they always move with the sun so if everybody says when you look at the sun you're getting energy and you're getting light and you're getting food sources so with me i've always told people like i go outside and just sit and stare and like just feel the sun hitting me and it's like all right cool i got my energy for the day so like i put the two together and i was just like all right cool keep growing this little sunflower is going to be my mascot and i had one of my friends in vegas she drew up the emblem and she just put like a, my little face in it and then that was it. And then I went ahead and made stickers first and was like, hey, I wanna see if you guys mess with it. You know, this is a little mantra I say and people started taking it and were like, no, we love it. We love the sunflower. We love the whole brand, it's you. And then I'm taking it, it's kind of like making it, um, it's like an overall brand, but it's kind of like small home goods, you know? Like I don't want everybody to just be like, oh, he's throwing it on a t-shirt, he's throwing it on a hoodie. And he's selling it. It's like, no, nah, I want knickknacks that people want to hold on to and buy and like really cherish. 
So like I started with stickers first because they're little and people can put them everywhere and everybody can see them. And then keychains. And then I got coffee mugs. And then I want to do like little pillows, little home good things. And then I'll come with hoodies and t-shirts because everybody knows I love hoodies. <laughs> love the story behind all that. Yeah. Thanks, absolutely. man. I just be I just You're be gonna have to send us a link. I want a keychain. <laughs> okay, yeah, I got oh well actually now they're sold out. The keychains are sold out. <laughs> All right, I'll get the coffee mug. <laughs> yes, yes. Coffee mug's coming soon. <laughs> so I'm curious, you and we'll talk a little bit about this, but so you've you're some of your artists are appearing on other albums, your are their own albums, plus guests starring on albums and uh, mm -hmm. You've done a show, at least the collective has done a show with Acme, Feed and Seed, and some other type gigs. Mm -hmm. uh, between the the success and the time that you're building it, were there ever times that you felt, man, I can't do this anymore? Or I need to, have you, were there times that you thought about exiting? No, not at all. No times thought about exiting because, um, like, I feel like this is a journey that me and my friends were made for because like it's something that we've all it's really really difficult to like find a group of like-minded individuals that are all towards the same goal so when you find that you like really really hold on to it and the little glimpses of things that have happened in my life i felt like this is what i'm supposed to do or like the thing like this is the path i'm supposed to be on and like like I said, watching a lot of documentaries and watching things like I'm a big hip hop kid, like hip hop is a part of my life. So like watching early hip hop documentaries and things like that, even going to shows, like I've always been a person that has been to the artists. So like I've never paid for backstage fees or anything, but I've always ended up backstage. I've always ended up talking to artists. Like I've never gone out of my way or like, yelled at somebody and be like oh yo yo i'm one of your biggest fans or like it's just always been like we have this common connection and understanding and they're just like oh no cool like you're a cool person i respect it like you treat me like a normal person because that's what it is and like um there's been moments i know with like black where we've talked where he's been like man i don't want to do this anymore like he feels like it's delayed and i'll be like put that in the song put it in a song and then he'll put it in a song and then he'll go back and listen to it and he'll be like, man, I really felt like that at the time. And then I'll be like, but you got it out, didn't you? And he'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, and now how do you feel? And he'll be like, like, I can go make another one. And I'll be like, see, in that point, it's like, you're still, you still want to do this, you know? And it's like, in the music, what I've noticed in the music industry is like, none of it is instant gratification. Like, it's all about doing the work until you get to that point of where you get noticed but you have to keep doing the work to keep the notice, to keep the attention. And you have to keep doing the work so they can be like, oh, look at the work he's done and look at the work they've done. That means like they've been at it. If you just pop up out of nowhere, they're gonna be like, I don't know who this person is. I don't know where their work is. I don't know what they stand on because I haven't seen anything. But like with us, it's like, no, you keep going away, keep chipping at it. Then people are gonna start taking notice to it and then people are gonna start falling into it. And then the things like the shows are gonna come like, the acne feeding seed, the Red Bull show and like the festival shows and like they may be small tier now, but those add up, those mean something. So like we keep going ahead and chipping, we're we're doing it. And like I'm a person that really looks at things for what they are. So like I'll tell them like, who are you? And they'll be like, huh? I'll be like, who are you? And they'll be like, my name is Sean or my name is Diaris or my name is Roland. So I'll be like, no, but like who are you and what do you do? And they're like, I'm an artist, I'm a rapper. And I'm like, exactly. What do you do every day? I go to the studio and I rap. I'm like, exactly, you're a rapper, like you do this. And they'll be like, okay. And then they'll have moments where they'll be like on a show and I'll be like, yeah, you just opened up for so-and-so. You just opened up for so-and-so. And they'll be like, yes. Like when we went to Los Angeles, we worked with one of our friends, Ron Gilmore, who's a producer from the city. And so he's worked with Jake Cole and Jay-Z and other people and like he opened his house for us and we went and worked and like they're working underneath platinum plaques of one of the biggest acts in the city like they're working in a space where like this person has probably done some work in and it's like yeah like look at where faith took us and like look at where the journey took us we're in beverly hills working in a recording studio working underneath plaques of one of y'all's favorite artists like i get that literal and break it down sometimes so it can be like we're doing it we're doing it let's keep going let's keep growing and then that's just what it is
So I really don't ever have any doubts or faith about it because I just feel like this is what we're supposed to be doing. Can't imagine how they felt. I got goosebumps just hearing the story. Yeah, I want you to be my manager. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I should clarify, we have 19 countries, listeners in 19 countries so far. So I just want to clarify, Acme Feed and Seed might sound like a place to buy food <laughs> or for horses, but it's actually a venue that's highly coveted here in Nashville, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah, it's cool. Acme I mean, you were... So you were mentioning, as you were talking before you even said the word, which you ended up saying, I, you mentioned, you know, getting them to focus on the journey. And I was hearing that as you were talking, right? Like trying to reorient them away from the destination or the outcome or the goal mm -hmm. and really focus on the here and now and the journey and just where you are and who you are and how to keep pivoting and moving. Do you, it sounds like that's kind of what, you did even all the way back in college when you decided not to do that major and they told you you had to create your own major but do you do you feel like that's always been who you have been or that that kind of grew out of you out of a particular kind of situation or experience um i think it's a combination of both you know like the accident was one of those life-changing moments for me it was kind of like my kanye moment you know where you just kind of have that like forget it like life can be gone in a day type thing like in a blink of an eye like you're here for a purpose let's go get it every single morning but then also I've always been that person that's always been like let's go like I'm 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 about action again so it's been a mixture of both I'm a go-getter I'm a person that likes to go do things I don't like to sit by and watch but I love to observe I love to observe but I'm a person that likes to just go and if I think of something, I like to go make it happen. Like I did it in high school, I did it in college. Like I'm just a person, like if I visualize it, I gotta go do it. Well, and I think to what you alluded, you were talking about the injury, opening your eyes a little bit. I had a mm -hmm. health scare a couple of years ago and everything that I had planned, the thought that kept running through my mind is what was I waiting for? Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you've had a similar type realization there. Yeah, and it was kind of just like a, you know, it was kind of one of those moments where it was just like, huh, like I'm here. My mom has always told me that she was just like, there's purpose on your life. She's always told me this over and over again since I was little, like I was a preemie. So she's always been really heavy on like, you have purpose on your life, go for it. So when that happened and like, I just came out with, you know, a broken leg and foot, it was just like, all right, bet I'm still here. And a lot of my friends who were in Nashville were hitting me and they're like, how are you so optimistic about this? Like, how are you so, like happy and smiling through all of this. And I was just like, I mean, I'm here, you know, like I was leaving my hotel with my family for a family reunion. And then I got into an accident and then it's like, oh, I wake up with EMTs around me. It's like, oh, okay. I was just surrounded by love and now I'm tossed in the middle of the street and now I'm at a hospital and there's like, my family's here. It's like, okay, cool. Like, no, nah, I know I got support. I know I got loved ones and I know that I'm still here like, to fulfill my purpose because if I didn't wake up I don't know what I would have done I don't know where I don't know where I would have been or what it would have been but the fact that it happened and I was able to look back on it and look at the car and be like oh okay cool I survived that bet then I can go ahead and like conquer whatever's in front of me so I don't really worry about anything anymore <laughs> sure and that's a perfect segue what's next for you and your collective so um, right now it's just like finalizing a lot of things, um, finalizing projects for everybody. Uh, some artists are working on singles, some artists are working and finalizing their projects, getting some features in and getting some last things taken care of. And then um, really just keep, keep the ball rolling, keep the wheel moving and make sure everybody is just having their time to go ahead and you know shine. I like to think of it as, or we like to use it as like basketball terminology so like everybody's just in the rotation just ready to get up and go and get on the court and you know play a triangle triangle offense <laughs> yeah um and so lauren has a question i can talk about <laughs> he's really good at reading my face i was yeah. just thinking because you were talking a little bit before uh about this but i don't think i i didn't ask this question of what's the transition been like of really working and managing one artist to now working with several people um, 
it's just the family's gotten bigger, you know? And um, a lot of people be like, it's overwhelming. But like, again, I'm not the only manager. Like it's three of us. I just am the one that everybody sees more because I spend most of my time with them mm-hmm. um, and I live with them. So everybody sees me more, but um, it really, really, we really do a good job of just giving everybody what they need, you know? Cause like we don't show any type of special favor or anything. It's like, no, nah, we make sure that like we have a huge group chat with everybody. And then we have a group chat individually with everybody where it's the one artist and the management and then, when you know the entire group and the management so it's like whenever it's somebody's turn we'll go and we'll have conversations with that person be like all right this needs to get done and like what are you working on or what do you want to do and then we'll work together on that and then move forward and then when it's come together with them we work as a unit so like going to LA it was hey I need everybody here at the house at this time so we can go ahead and make sure that we're all together like hey we're going to meet here. Um, I got everything taken care of at the airport. So like, just be here and we're going to get there safely. And then um, everything's good for the Airbnb, you know, like make sure everybody has their boarding passes. Like that was probably my first real test of like, okay, I can do this management thing out of the state. Cause like we've had, or like on the other side of the country, cause like we've had shows in like North Carolina and Atlanta and like little things like that, but like mm-hmm. getting four, grown men on a plane early early in the morning <laughs> across the state it's like all right bet you got your boarding pass you got your id you got your id and your boarding pass you got your charger like cool let's do it so um it's really is i honestly love it because it's at the end of the day it's me getting to hang out with my friends like i don't look at it as work i never have so if they ask me for something i'm there and like I'm there to be like, all right, bet, let me go ahead and get it or let me go ahead and figure out how I can get it. And so um, I thoroughly enjoy it. And I'm like, yeah, whatever you guys need, I'm here for it. <laughs> it sounds like you really kind of love and thrive in that energy and kind of the fast pace and a lot going yeah. on. Do you ever, though, feel like you've got too much on your plate? Like you're wishing maybe you could learn to say no a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I do, but um, I've kind of like, I've, I've always been a multitasker. I've always been a person that like can do three or four or five things at once. Like I've had people tell me like, yo, how can you watch Netflix with the subtitles on, have music playing and be reading a book? And I'd be like, that's just how I am. Like, I just like background noise. I just like being able to like cipher between things and do it. So like, um, I do have moments sometimes where like I have to take time for myself mm-hmm. and like I'll just decompose from like going to the studio or like being around them and like I'll just sit in my room for a day and like just watch a movie or like play a video game and like really sit with myself or um, I had a, I think it was a moment probably like a couple maybe like a month or so or like I just had to go home. Like I had to go back to Columbus, Ohio. I was just like, someone's telling me to go home. So like, I just dipped for a weekend and went home and visited my family and like deconnect, like disconnected from everything going here. But like, just went and spent time with my family and my roots and like really got back to like grounding. And then I was like, all right, cool. I can come back and like, let's get back to work. (laughs) So what do you view as the keys to your success? Um, Faith, um, communication, um manifestation um my team because it's like it's a group effort at the end of the day always um and probably what's the fifth one man just like that drive you know a lot of people don't have it a lot of people want some things but they want it just as soon as they ask for it and they don't want to work towards it so like yeah that drive is really really important i'm ready to do whatever what have you learned about yourself through all um how to like being a better and effective leader and how to be a better communicator um i'm a person who doesn't take compliments really well because like i'm just always in the action of doing things and like i don't like to be hyped up so when people are just like, no, you're working out here. I see you doing things. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm just living. Like, I'm just doing things. And like, 
we did a shoot for the Titans yesterday and people were like, you're shooting for the Titans. I'm like, it's just another day. You know, like I downplay a lot of things because like I don't like to overly boast about things because mm -hmm. like I still feel like me myself is doing the work, but like we're doing the work as general to like get to where we want to be. But like, that also goes back to me looking at things bare minimum for what they are is like, nah, like you shot for the Titans. Cool. Go on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. You did this. Cool. Go on to the next thing. So like I've been really learning with myself just how to be more. I'm already humble, I'm already modest, but like how to be more like, no, you're doing these things and people are realizing it. So like, keep being that type of person and being a good person and good things will happen to you. So like, I just try not to be too like over neurotic and you know, look at all this dope shit. <laughs> no, no. Well, I think that's uh, actually endearing to most people. They, someone that's accomplished, but not, out there bragging about it necessarily i think mm -hmm. appeals to a lot of folks so yeah that's probably why a lot of people are drawn want to tell you because you're not out there necessarily showing it yourself or bragging on yourself yeah they always say when other people brag for you it's better so like when other people be like no nah, this guy right here i'll be like <sighs> yeah that's me hey how you doing nice to meet you Sounds very similar to my reaction. Anytime people start bragging, I kind of clam up. But Yeah, they'd be like, this is Causey. And they'd be like, you're Causey? And I'd be like, hey, how are you? <laughs> my name is Justin Causey. It's a pleasure. <laughs> so what advice would you have for an up-and-coming entrepreneur or hip-hop artist or manager? Man, um, just, I almost pulled a Nike and was like, just do it. But like, <laughs> um, nah, man, just like, if you believe in it, like, if you really believe in it, go for it. Because like God gave you those visions for a reason. And like those visions are going to come true. All you have to do is put in the work and the effort. Because like, I know from personal experience, me and my friends, like we'll be doing things and we'll have a moment where we'll step back and be like, yo, I had a dream that I was doing this or like, it'd be deja vu multiple, multiple times. So like only you know what your life is made for you and like you have to go out there and like accomplish it. And probably also is like, don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to, you know, rely on the people that you call your friends because they want to see you succeed as much as you want to succeed. And so we ask every guest, um, Lauren and I met while we were studying expertise and so one extreme view of expertise is you're born with everything that's needed to be great. Mm -hmm. Don't have to do any work. It's already mm -hmm. there. Uh, the other extreme view is you're born with nothing to be great. You have mm -hmm. to do all of the work. And of course, there's everything in between. In your experience, whether it be management or creativity or hip hop, whatever area you want to choose, how do you, what, what is your take on that spectrum or uh, continuum? Um, Mine's is a little bit of both, you know, like being born with some things to succeed. Cause like, you know, I was born in a single parent household. My mom worked and she did everything, but she also made sure to know that I, you know, I was independent and I can do things. So like at an early age, I was, you know, coming home from school and like cooking for myself and doing homework and like being very independent. And then I've had a job since I was like 12, you know? So I've always been very independent on like getting it on my own, but then also like, having moments of coming from nothing like you know being in a crazy car accident or like even prior to that I didn't have a car and I would be skating through Nashville in my only form of transportation like skating to work and working as a waiter double shifts and then getting back on my skateboard and skating back home like just to be able to keep doing these things and like to be able to say again on the journey like to go back from like living in my small apartment where we were having like you know label meetings at that day where it was just all of us hanging out in the living room and like trying to figure it out and then like being able to pull up in our neighborhood at our house now or like everybody has cars in the driveway it's like okay bet like no nah, we went to go from like having nothing to our names and like we're able to come and like see the fruits of our labor and like look at what those little small hammers and nails plug shout out to the black sun fresh air available on all streaming platforms um <laughs> those things are like able to go ahead and build all the resources that we have now. So it's like, I can see both ends of the spectrum of like, I had nothing and I got here 
And then I had a little bit of some things, but like, I still worked my butt off to get here. So like, now I'm even at a point now where like, I have a little bit of money. It's like, I can buy the things that I want to buy, you know, like I can get the things that I really wanted as a kid. So like, go for it. Why not? Cause you deserve it. Sure. And to follow up on your shout out to the black sun, is it, fair to say that people that like big crit or at least the live band uh type hip-hop songs would be a fan of uh black sun or is that too restrictive no not at all you said like people that will people that enjoy big crit will enjoy the black sun that's what i was yes i i definitely believe that uh yes um people that enjoy the big crit people that enjoy um like Talib, people that enjoy like lyrical, real deal, like thought provoking, but like real cut through speaker, hard hitting boom bap raps will enjoy the Black Sun. And then like, we'll give you that melodic jazz. We'll give you that, you know, snare heavy hitting, but he'll give you some real introspective, like deep thought. Um, He'll give you the whole, the whole spectrum. Like the Black Sun can really embody any type of artistry (laughs) you want. It's just he got to tap into it. Uh, but Big Crit, yes, definitely. We got that We got that soulful jazz for you. Definitely down here. And he's uh, – I can vouch for the how strong of a lyricist he is. I like his uh, lyrics a lot. So. Yeah, so much on the way, so much on the way. That's exciting. You mentioned um, – you were just mentioning before kind of how – how hard you you and your team and everybody has worked, right? That you've earned everything that you're getting mm-hmm. and trying to pursue. But I'm curious also if you feel like growing up skateboarding and being interested in um, you know those type of kind of high risk or looked at as high risk sports. Do you feel yeah. like that has influenced you and how resilient you are also? Um. Yeah, because I guess I've always been kind of an evil Knievel kid. <laughs> like, my mom would always be like, you're just jumping off of stuff. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, funny story. You know the big wheels? You remember big wheels? Mm-hmm. I had a big wheel till I was, like, 12. <laughs> because me and my cousin would just ride it down hills doing 360s on it. <laughs> but, yeah, like, um, yeah, I guess that resiliency is just like, I've always been, again, just a go-getter. Like, I just want to go and accomplish it. So that way I can be like, I did it. Now on to the next thing to accomplish. So, um, yeah, that resiliency has always been in me. And I've just always been a person about action. And it sounds like, too, that it set you up for, you know, being able to pursue risk. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because at the end of the day, like, I know, like, yeah, that failure thing is, like, it's going to happen, but you're going to learn through the process of failure. Like, I remember when I first started managing him, like, we did a show New Year's Eve, and it was terrible. Like, it was, ter- it was a, like, this dope, dope venue, but, like, just the logistics of it was terrible, and, like, it just fell through, and, like, he was just so upset, so distraught, and he was just like, bro, we can't put our name on these type of things, and they fall through like that, and it was just like, you're right, like, that was an idea I thought was gonna be great, and it wasn't, and so, like, we gotta go back to the drawing board, and, like, we went back, and we learned our mistakes from it, and what it was, and, like, then we were able to build on it, and it's just like, yeah, if you don't take those L's, you won't get to the W. If you don't take those hard lessons, you won't be able to give a great presentation. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, I definitely have understood what's going to happen when you try and go for something. And if you don't go for, if you don't get it the first time, it's all right. You know, just keep, keep going. I just saw that um, Lauren helps put together those uh, excerpts, the quotes. I just saw that on a uh, Instagram post. Oh, me too. Post. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I write that down for myself. In real time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got a bunch of those little sayings. <laughs> So, uh, and what's the biggest takeaway from your story? Um, the biggest takeaway from my story is, man, yeah, I guess keep growing. That's the biggest takeaway from my story. Cause like you, you just never know what life has like in store for you unless you just keep going to it. And then you'll just be able to sit back and be like, this is the life that I lived. 
So, uh, yeah, I think that's my biggest takeaway. And also it's just like live in the moment and enjoy it. Because I used to stress about that shit in high school. <laughs> like, you ever had that moment where you're like, okay, I'm finna graduate, I'm become an adult. Like, I got to do these things. Like, and like the whole just thing of life switches on your head and then you're just like, oh shit, I can do whatever I want now. Bet, what am I going to do today? Cool. If I want to do that again tomorrow, I'm going to do that again tomorrow. And if not, I'm going to do something different. All right, cool. It's funny you say that because I relate to it 100%. It's like once it's almost like a lock that once mm-hmm. that's unlocked everything else instead of saying why do that you're almost like why not do that or why exactly. not try it? it's like i got a limitless pill in life and then i just was like hey we're going for it yeah that's awesome well Kazi, it's been a pleasure um i've enjoyed the conversation it's uh yeah. i think the listeners will love it and uh can't thank you enough Nah, man, I'm thankful for the opportunity. I'm always surprised when people want to just sit and talk to me. The Path Distilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman, created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by The Path Distilled, all right reserved.